When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With me in the studio today is a really dear, close friend, Dr. David Levy. David, thank you for coming. You're an amazing man, a very busy man, and you're a surgeon. And I know that the listeners are just going to be blessed by your wisdom. I have been blessed by your wisdom. Every time I talk to you, I feel calm. I feel peaceful. You always pray for me. You just flow in the spirit. And you're one of the, you're one of the top neurosurgeons, let's face it, in the world. And you really are outstandingly brilliant. And just the way you've connected mind, body, and spirit is just beautiful. So I'm just thrilled to have you here. So tell us who you are, a bit more about your background. And... Well, thanks, Caroline. It's, it's good to be here with you. My background, my father was raised in a traditional Jewish family. And during the uh, Second World War, they lost all their material possessions, had to escape. Um, and my grandfather couldn't come, but my father and his mother and brother came to the U.S. So he was struggling, I guess, to, to be uh, without a father here. Uh, but also, the the Jewish religion wasn't sitting right with him. He was just noticing some things weren't quite right. Somebody put a copy of the New Testament in his hands. And he began, his last name was Levi, so he began with the book of Luke. He started uh, reading Luke, and so he got to chapter 4, and it said that um, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. And he was thinking, wow, that's that's me. I really need whatever this Jesus is is offering, let me see more about him. And so he began to become interested in who Jesus was, ultimately became a Messianic Jew, a follower of Jesus. Wow. That's incredible, Messianic Jew. I'm, I'm... So he met my mother. My mother was not Jewish. And I grew up going to church. So wow. I didn't really like church. It was, for me, <laughs> not... Um, just didn't get you. Yeah, I felt sort of captive there. And it, it, there were a number of reasons I, I didn't like it. But I, as soon as I could leave, I you left did. and you know didn't really think about going back. It was not, I thought, uh, I, I went to medical school. And when you're in medical school, uh, Jesus is usually not a big topic. No, definitely. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> I mean, not, not even, I mean, people don't even really like to talk about God a lot. It, mm. But it is the perfect environment for that sentiment because you know you're young most people mm -hmm. come from wealthy families I, mm -hmm. I did not but many are from wealthy families they're usually mm -hmm. attractive you know you have the opportunity to make a lot of money when you get out mm -hmm. so the sort of the, the viewpoint or the the, the um I don't want to say the, the world view mm -hmm. that you can do it yourself mm -hmm. is very popular and so mm -hmm. To want a savior, to need Jesus, is sort of a weakness, seen as a weakness. Mm, and so I didn't want to be in the weak category. Group, yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the interesting thing about uh, about the brain is that you you decide what you want to believe, and your brain really makes it true for you. That's a great way of putting us. I love that. So it will yeah. pull in all the information that agrees with what you yeah. want which typically is to maximize your pleasure, mm -hmm. minimize your pain. Mm. So depending on your social circle, and there mm -hmm. I am in medical school, and no one really wants to believe this, and of course being popular is nice, and being yeah. unpopular is painful. Mm. So I 
no, I, you know, I really don't want Jesus to be the Messiah. That's actually not good news for me. That's so interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I, my mind pulls in all the stuff that, so, <clears throat> you know, other people don't need this. Why do I need this? Mm. And so there's an arrogance that sort of comes naturally, I think, in mm. institutions of learning because we mm-hmm. think that that's all we need is education. Well, uh, I got out into the... I, I guess I should also say that I learned in, you know, in, in church in Sunday school about about Jesus. But what I learned with it was that he was very nice. He was very nice. He was <laughs> right, nice yeah. to children, nice to animals. Um, very, very nice. But he, I have to interrupt you. You know, you're saying such profound things because what you're saying is reflecting what so much, so many youth of thinking and feeling just in terms of university, that experience, what you just, it's brilliant how you've described it. And what is, you know, I, I'm a go-getter, I, you know, what does Jesus have to say to a neurosurgeon, mm. right? I want to make a you know, mark on the world. I want, you know, the world is your stage or whatever it is. Yeah. Right? You know, you, well, you know, Jesus ends up, you know, they, end up, they, they killed him. He wasn't really after his own program. He, and it, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Mm. And I, I categorized him as essentially weak. Mm. Well, uh, so we grow. <laughs> so we grow. And we, and we hit obstacles. Mm. And for me, probably the, the one I remember the most, most clearly, there's a woman probably in her, yeah, she was in her 50s, she had a giant aneurysm. And an aneurysm is a, a weakness in the wall of a blood vessel. So if mm-hmm. It's like if you leave your garden hose out in the sun too long, mm-hmm. it heats it up and looks like a snake that swallowed a rabbit. It has that bubble in it. Bubble in it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was right in the center of her head. So between her eyes and between her ears, if you drew a line right about where those all those lines would intersect, mm-hmm. center of her brain was this very large aneurysm. You know, it's interesting. I never thought about asking her where she was spiritually. Mm-hmm. I never thought of any her of those story. things. Yeah, I never thought of because. This was a very rare case, and I wanted to do the surgery. Mm-hmm. And there were probably, you know, five people in the country that could do this special surgery. It was a, a bypass that took the the vessel that goes right in front of the ear, the superficial temporal artery. So if you feel right in front of your ear, you can feel a little pulsation there. It's a tiny little one to two millimeter vessel. So then you make a window in the skull. You open up the skull. And you sew that into the brain vessels. This little one you sew. The little one. So sewing it into the surface vessels is not that difficult. But sewing it into the brain stem vessels is very difficult. And very few people can do that. Well, I had seen it done, but I'd never done one. But I had an incredible amount of confidence, and I also had an incredible amount of skill. And so I was able to sew this bypass into this woman's brain in a six-inch hole under a, a microscope, you know, tying knots with a you know, thread you can't even see. My gosh. So it's, it's uh, you know, everything is, is so tiny, but it was a working bypass. The blood was, you know, flowing. It's incredible. That's what the bypass concept is. Yeah. yeah. So it bypasses the aneurysm, and you get blood from another direction. Well, the second part of that surgery was to go up and to seal off the, the aneurysm with a balloon. It was back before we had the stents and some of the things we have today. Yeah. And so I closed the aneurysm off with a balloon. But this woman developed a, a blood clot uh, the next day, and she died. 
on your oh. brain stem, just all the vessels just formed clots in them and oh the whole gosh. thing clotted off. So the bypass was open, you know, this incredible 11 hour surgery oh. had been successful, but ultimately she ended up dying. Wow. That is. Yeah. I, well, I never asked her if she was ready to die. I never even considered it. It wasn't really part of what I would talk to people about at that point. And that was the first time I really was face to face with failure. I had spent an incredible amount of energy and I, I realized I could do great work, but I couldn't ultimately heal people. It was really, there were th things outside my control and I knew that, but I, this was the one that probably made the biggest impact on. Well, as, as life has it, or as God has it, usually things come in you know, twos just to get your attention. And neurosurgeons have a bit of a thick skull. So we, we take a couple of, uh, a couple of episodes to really get our attention. And yeah. I was, I was dating a girl at the time. Well, dating is probably a, a misclassification. I, I was a girl that I liked. Yeah. Um, and I, well, everything I learned about Relationships I learned from watching James Bond movies. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Dad and I would watch James Bond. So the, the so typically what you need is a is a high tech dangerous job, and yeah. I had one of those. You had one of those a high tech dangerous car. And you need right, and you need to treat women poorly, and they love you more. more. Yeah. And I couldn't get that to work for me. <laughs> I so tried funny. and I tried. I, so, uh, so the worse I treat this woman, ultimately she ended up dating another doctor. Which I absolutely couldn't understand because I was clearly more talented than he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how how could how she choose? Could she yeah, do that? Honestly, to choose someone that was less talented. Well, it was at that point that I really felt a lot of you know pain. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm feeling pain in the career and the social yeah. arenas. Yeah. So well, what do surgeons do when they feel uncomfortable? We blame other people. Right, it's the nurse's a, fault, it's the anesthesiologist, but always yeah. someone else's fault. Always some of the patient never, is weak, and it's never the surgeon. Never the surgeon's fault. So, you, uh, this in this case, I decided it was my dad's fault. <laughs> he didn't teach me anything about relationships. Oh, you know, he told God. me essentially that if I was the best, I would be happy. Well, wow. I was the best, and you know, couldn't get it to to, to worry. As, as far as my field was concerned, I had gone as high as I you could go, go. Mm -hmm. and quickly as well. You you got to the top very fast, and you know, I was doing. Yeah, they flew me to Paris right out of my residency to operate. Just incredible amounts of, yeah. um, you know, technical notoriety. You are one of the top neurosurgeons in the world. But I, there was a happiness that was missing. It was missing, and so, well, I blame my father. And I would write him some letters why didn't, you know, well, most of our parents do not have the emotional range to respond to accusation. They just don't. No. They cannot handle being accused. They, they, so they've they done everything to try and be the best parents and they've messed up. It's kind of hard to. And they don't have the range to be able to say, you know, I did my best. You have a good father. You have a father in heaven. And you need to look to him mm. for whatever I couldn't mm. supply to, to you to fill the gaps. Most they just feel like mm. the buck stops here. I made a mistake. I've messed up your life, mm. and they can't go there. And so, mm. my father was, you know, he didn't respond to my letters, and so it made me even angrier. Oh. Well, I called my mom, and I was discussing with her the failures of my father, <laughs> <laughs> and she was listening patiently, and then. 
she said something very profound. She said, David, you need to forgive your father because you have hurt people and you need to be forgiven. Wow. Well, that's not why I called her. Right? I, I wanted you some want sympathy. That story. I did not want that kind of truth. It you was a, a very powerful. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. And besides, I thought, well, wait a minute. Um, shouldn't he be apologizing to me? I mean, we just watched James Bond together, and that was our the, the extent <laughs> of bonding experience. The extent yeah. of uh, you know the counsel about relationships. Yeah. Um, but that second part about me hurting other people and needing uh, forgiveness, forgiveness from, from them. Because that's how it works, isn't it? People offend us. Yeah. And then, well justified, now we will go and do it to someone else. And so, you know, I had stepped on some people, walked on some people. I, I was pretty insensitive yeah. to what other people were feeling. I was treating others essentially the way I was treated. And that was modeled for me. I was well justified. Yeah, that was what you saw. Was the... But I realized the truth that I had hurt people. And I never thought that I... I mean, it's all over the scriptures, right? David, you know, doesn't see when the story comes to him from Nathan telling him that there was this yeah. man with a sheep and whatever. He's, oh, yeah. the man should die. And yeah. You don't see your own stuff no. when you're self-justified. No. So, it's almost like this denial block that comes into our mind, isn't it? It's so toxic. You do not see your, your blind, huge blind mm. spot to your own mm. stuff. Well, And it's such a roadblock emotionally. So... I basically said, okay, um, I'll, I'll forgive my dad. Kind of hung up the phone that night and just said, okay, I, I need to forgive him. Uh, but I need to be reparented. I need to, to look to God now for this. Uh, he was, you know, emotionally just unable to, just to give me what, what, I, what I wanted. Uh, and something really shifted, I think, at that point in my life. My desire, my drive to have to be famous to have to be the best to have to mm. always have to do more and more difficult surgeries speak at bigger and bigger meetings you know everything had to be the next mm, level up mm, just mm. to well it's an addiction right that's the mm. definition of addiction it is totally consumed by you have to have, by either to increase your frequency or increase mm -hmm. your dose there you go yeah and there that's, that's what i needed and, and so it really kind of unhooked that train I began to have a, a relationship with my father that was, well, it was not based on what I needed. It was mm -hmm. based on where he was. He wanted mm -hmm. to talk about the how the car was running and how the computers are working and the mm -hmm. weather. And, and that's what he wanted to talk about. And so mm -hmm. when I would call him, you know, once a week, that's what we would talk we about. We talk about, yeah. We um, never got to the deep stuff. You know, once or twice we had a little bit of a conversation, but then it would shut back down. But he, you know, he passed away four years after that. After I started that process, yeah. and I think, well, I'm really glad mm, that you spoke to him. Yeah, that I had that idea, and it's really it's a scriptural: honor your father and mother, mm, and it will go well. Yeah, that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. It's yeah, it's profound it's, what the mm. scripture says. It's the only commandment with a promise attached mm, to it. Mm, All the other mm. ones tell us, you know, what to do or not to do. This one actually is the only one with a promise. And I think it's because it's so difficult. I think God knew how hard it is mm. for many people to honor difficult parents, parents mm. who, and I think many people are Don't very, very... satisfy what we think we need. Yeah, many of us are very, very angry because mm. we didn't get... And anger comes out in addiction. It comes out in hurting other people. It comes mm. out in thrill-seeking. It comes out in neurosurgery, type A personalities. It comes out... Withdrawal. 
Yeah, all these things, but it's an anger because there's an injustice. So to be able to forgive, you really have to be able to trust that God is just. There is justice Mm. in the universe, that we have uh, a just Heavenly Father, and He will take care of it, Mm. and He doesn't need your help. And because revenge, this natural human desire to go out there and make them pay, right? Yeah, forgiveness is retribution, giving up your right to hurt someone for hurting you. That's what forgiveness is. That's really good. Say that again, David. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt someone for hurting me. That's that's amazing. Mm. Which that's a you know, that it feels very just that I should be able to exact Mm. out of someone else. Or make them responsible, or make them pay for what has cost me. Yeah. And this is such a common theme in our society because we all, and ironically, or maybe not so ironically, the most gifted people, I think, have the most offenses against them. And it steals Mm. their joy. Mm. We should be enjoying our gifts, but we can't enjoy our gift because we're... we're so consumed by the desire for retribution. Yeah. Looking for someone else... To pay us, and that's where envy comes in. It's where you know it's it's, it's so much negativity when you see incredibly gifted people and they're so angry. Mm, it doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make sense, no. and, and I think there there it is. It's I call it the curse of the gifted. Mm, that's very interesting. The curse of the gifted. That you don't enjoy your gift, and Gosh. because of things in the past you can't let go of. Yeah. But it doesn't minimize how hard mm. it is. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like forgiveness for my father was a one-time thing. Mm. I mean, it started there, but, you know, these close relationships where there's a lot of hurt, there's been a lot of anger, there's been a lot of abuse. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some of the things are, are horrendous. You know, there, there wasn't... Maybe bad, unacceptable. Right, and, and, you know, many, many women suffer this, many men yeah. suffer treme- tremendous, horrible things. Mm. Um. But there's always a tremendous blessing you'll get by trusting by God. Trusting God, <clears throat> and that's yeah. Now, David, this is just powerful. I need, I need to have you to come back again to continue the story because I've sat here thinking, wow, and the time, maybe it's almost 20 minutes, and the time mm. has just, it's profound. Would you come back again? Sure, I'd love to. Because this was just incredible. Thank you so much. It was wonderful having you on uh, on the show, and you, you know, some of the things you've said today are just profound in terms of this forgiveness thing. It's just, it's just outstanding. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you so much. Good to be here. Thank you.